Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Hapasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I heard the testimony from Neil Johnson about listening to the MP3 teaching. Maybe you can give encouragement to people how important to listen to the Word of God, not only on Sunday. Very important. You know, we hear a lot from our pastor and the other teachers, especially Pastor Law, about healing. So um, just I know I need to develop myself in the area of healing. <clears throat> I have a belief in it, but I want to see. I don't want to have to go to Pastor Lau to get healed. I'm going to go to Pastor Jesus and get it myself just wherever I'm at because, of, because it's in the Word. And I know I'm not there. So I started to look in the podcast for sermons on, on healing, and there was nothing out there. But the, the, the series on uh, ruling and reigning righteousness was there, so I, I downloaded those to my, um, my iPod and listening to that. And, and, um, <clears throat> but really, that covers healing as well. Just, uh, just seeing the picture of how God intended things at the beginning. Heard it at camp, heard the, heard the sermons in uh, where we're all sitting right now. But uh, so I want to go back and hear it again so as to get it beyond here into the heart. You know, you can have it in your heart too, but it's not, it's you want, you want something to start coming out through your fingers in your life. And that's, that's what I want with healing. That's what I, I want with ruling and reigning in Christ. And as you start to focus on it, or I focus on it, start to see it to begin to happen. And, um, and we know anything. You go to college, that kind of, that's good, but that really doesn't mean you're an expert at anything until you re- do it over and over and over again. And your experience, and you've had many experiences, doesn't really, and you meditate, it doesn't really get in it. So that's why, that's why I want to hear the, the <clears throat> um, our pastor teaching again, because I see what I need, and I know I need to hear it again and again, change my thinking, and, um, and just get God's word and God's actions coming through me. So, so that's why I listen to it, and, uh, and just the importance for me, and uh, just encourage everybody else to. Focus in on what the Holy Spirit's pointing you to as well to take advantage of the podcast and um, other soon-to-come MP3s available to us. Amen. Thank you. I just want to exhort all of you, maybe because I'm a doctor by nature, by training, so I see things maybe different from most pastors in the world. Because I'm not just theological, in the theological way. I'm also in the medical field. Even the Bible talks about the ant that gather food during summertime so that during the wintertime they will have food to eat. And even all of us, we may have income $2,000 a month, but we know that the electric bill is going to be higher in winter. So we save some money because during summertime, we don't have to spend money for the electric bill that much. So we save some money behind in order to pay the bill in winter time. This is the principle of preparation. I'm talking like this as a spiritual father to all of you to remind you and to help you to go back home and think about this. Many of us in this church are well-to-do financially. We are all healthy and strong. We are young. Some of you are very young people. And 
A lot of us never think about the rainy day or the difficult days of life, because we are doing fine now. We have money, we have job, so we never thought about when we turn 80 years old, 90 years old. We never thought about when the wind and storm come to our life because we are five. But I want to encourage you to be like the ant, is to prepare yourself for the rainy day. How do you prepare yourself for the rainy day? Is by building your faith while you are still healthy and strong. Now you have energy, you have good ears to listen, you can stay awake to listen to the sermon. And if you miss this part and you wait until you turn 70 and 80, and by that time, disease and sickness start to attack you, it's too late to build your faith. You're going to build faith. You need to build when you're young and you're strong. How are you going to build your faith? The Bible says clearly that we fight the good fight of faith and we overcome the world. When Jesus says overcome the world, it doesn't mean we go out and shoot people. The world means the bad things in this world, the attack of the enemy, whatever that come against us. We overcome the world by faith. That's why the series called Ruling and Reigning is designed for all of the members to listen so that we can get ready to command and to fight with the battle, with the wind and storm of your life and sickness in your life. And if you don't prepare, faith, even Abraham, he is a man of faith, but his faith doesn't happen overnight. It's built up as time went by. The same thing, our faith needs to be built up day by day by listening to the Word of God, by coming to the file of God, by being around people with faith. You build up, build up until you're so strong. If you read the full gospel carefully, you will find out that majority, almost I could say 90-something percent of people who came to Jesus for either deliverance or for healing or for any miracle, they received miracle from Jesus by their own faith. Even Paul said that, I see your faith, you are healed right now. It's not Paul's faith, it's their own faith. So it's so important for Christians, a church member, to build your faith as you are having the opportunity to do it. Don't wait until you're on the sick bed in the hospital or something bad happened to you and by that time, oh, pastor, pray for me. But how about your own faith to fight against that problem? That's why I thank God for the MP3 technology. We plan to try to help you the most we can to build your faith. We already ordered a laptop and it's coming. We're going to set up the table out there that you can come with your hard drive and download the sermon into your hard drive. And when you drive, you can have iPod or you can have MP3 machine listening to the Word of God in the car, while you're cooking, while you're eating lunch for lunch break, instead of sitting and gossiping about somebody, you listen to the Word of God and get the Word of God into your life. And we plan to produce some important CD to give to the guests and to your friend that come here because they are new, they get the CD. And we're going to put all the sermon in our website, in a website one day. We are working on that area that we want to make sure the Word of God is available to you and you can listen anytime again and again and again. Amen. We have now in the podcast, but it's not enough because not everyone is high tech. So we want to see this happen in the church that all of you are in the Word of God on a daily basis. You listen to the Word of God. Amen. 
So we thank God for the technology. I build my faith by listening to the Word of God. Now I'm listening myself on a series about healing because I want to see more healing in my church. So I want to build my own faith in the area of healing too. In year 2002, I listened a lot about demonology and cast out demon. Oh, I tell you, I never cast out demon before until the camp of year 2002, when my faith rise up because I listened to the teaching. Then I can cast out demons. Before that, I could not because I have no faith about casting out demons. So you build faith by listening to the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God? When you listen to the word of God on Sunday, you may get 10% out of it. But if you go back and listen again in the MP3 or CD, you can hear more and you can get deeper and deeper. We thank God for the technology. Last Sunday, we were talking about the family. We preach about the origin of family, that the family was created by God for His purpose. In fact, when we talk about the family, you know, Independence Day, we talk about the nation, the country. But if the families in America are broken down, are weak, the whole nation will be weak, because families are the smallest institution in any society. And the society will be strong if we have strong family. If we have a lot of divorces, we have a lot of problems. Kids grow up in a bad homes, broken down home. Then eventually, the next generation, the country is going to be in trouble because we have all these corrupted and very immature people rise up to run the country. But if we have strong families, the nation and the cities and the the society will be very strong. And that's why, if you notice, Satan did not attack Adam when he was single, but once he got a wife named Eve, Satan started to show up, and he wanted to destroy the first family, Adam and Eve, because he knew that if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the plan of God on earth here. Why? Because God's plan will be done through the family. God's plan to spread His glory, His love, His power, His presence all over the world come through the family. Amen. So that's why we need to really build strong family in the local church, and this will go on to the next generation. Whatever we do today is not only about you and your wife or your husband, but it will impact your kids and grandkids and great grandkids in the future. You notice that many things you do today come from your parents, what they did when you were young. So if you change now, do the right thing, it will really bring the blessing to the next generation. Amen. So we need to understand that we have a family for the purpose of God is to bring the presence of God to wherever we are, to bring the concept of God, the truth of God to that society, to impact people around us through the family. Last Sunday we learned that God created the family by His power. He put Adam to sleep. He performed a surgery, open up the rib, take the rib out, the flesh out, and He fashioned a woman. And that woman grabbed the hand of God. She woke up as a grown-up woman. She did not look for a man, but she looked at God. And then God grabbed her hand and took her hand to the man. To marry to, so the principle of God that we learned from last Sunday is that 
All of us who are single, we should not be made hunter, but we should be God hunter. We are pursuing God. We should be God pursuer or God chaser. If we are chasing after God, God is the one who gonna grab the hand of somebody and come to our life, and we'll meet that person, and that's gonna be the right person. If you are chasing after man or woman, you may get into the wrong relationship, and you will suffer later on. So let God be your matchmaker. Find the right person for you. Amen. That's what we learned on last Sunday. Today we will continue that. Look at the first family in the world and how we're gonna build a family to build strong family in this generation. We look at the principle of God. How many people believe that God is very wise? How many people believe that God is very smart? He created humans. He created the world. So His principle is the best for His creation. Is that right? If I'm gonna use a car, I need to use that car according to the manual of that car, the one who built the car. The same thing. If we're gonna have a good family, we want to do something in this life. We need to look at this manual. If we want to look at the original plan of God before every messy thing happened on earth here, we need to go back to look at Genesis chapter one and chapter two, because it's these two chapters messy thing have not happened yet. It started in chapter three when Adam and Eve, especially Adam, yielded himself to Satan and sinned against God. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter two today, the original plan of God for the family. Look at Genesis two twenty-four to twenty-five. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You heard this all the time in the wedding ceremony, wedding vow. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We're gonna look at these principles or precepts of God. The family must be operated or must be built up by God's precept. Everyone say God's precepts. This scripture, these two verses, give us four precepts about the family. Let's look at this scripture carefully together. These two verses. Let's look at verse 24 again. Therefore, a man. You notice that God did not say. Therefore, a woman. He said a man. So to build a family, God has to deal with a man first. Last Sunday we learned that the man need to bring two things to the house: bring the bacon or the physical provision, financial provision, and also bring. The Bible, the Word of God. Now God talked to the man again. God did not talk to the woman. God talked to the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. He did not say a man and a woman will leave his father and mother. What does it mean, leave the father and mother? It means that there must be a cutting, cutting off. You know about umbilical cord when you came out from your mom wombs. Umbilical cord is a difficult word for me today. And the doctor has to put the clamp on and cut so that your dependence on her nutrition in the womb will be cut off and you can eat and drink yourself. The same thing, in order to have a family, in order to start a family, you need to cut that cord, that dependence on your parents. Otherwise, 
you're going to be baby forever in your home. Your wife will not have only a husband but a baby. You need to grow up and cut the emotional attachment or emotional dependence, or that relationship must be cut off to start a new family. You should not live in the old. You start a new family. So the new family start new. When I say this, I don't mean. When the Bible say this, the, I don't think God means that you will not honor your parents anymore. You will not respect them. You will not listen to their advice anymore. You still can visit them, give them money, pay for their vacation, pay for their. If they don't have enough money to live, you can send them money every month to bless them. You can still bless your dad and mom. You can still honor them. Take them along with you to Europe or something. If you go vacation to Europe, I'm trying to speak to Tanida right now. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> One day when Tanida go to Europe, she will take me with her. <laughs> when I turn 80 years old, I need somebody to take care of me. Amen. You can still take care of your parents, but you need to cut that dependence, cut that emotional ties. And what does it mean? Also, when I say cutting. It means that we have 24 hours a day. Is that right? So you always have priority in any relationship. For example, I give my priority of my Christian service to this church. I don't run around to other churches. I give my priority to the members of this church. So you get me first before other people outside the church. That is my priority. Pastor Da and I give our life fully to New Hope International Church. The same way, because we have only 24 hours a day, you have to line up the relationship. How you gonna spend time? Definitely, God come first. But after you get married, the second most important relationship in your life is your wife, not your parents. Before you get married, God and your parents and job, you know, God and your family, your parents, your sibling, and then your job and other stuff. Definitely God means the church too. The church and God together. But after you get married, your secondary, secondary to God relationship is you and your wife. And your relationship with your parents are tertiary. You cannot put relationship with your parents greater than your relationship with your spouse. If you do that, I can guarantee your family is going to be in a mess. Because you're going to drag in your dad and mom Deal with your wife and talk to your wife and this is going to be in a mess. You need to lead your own family. You don't bring the old stuff from your dad to your family because your wife is not marry your dad. You cannot bring the old junk, the bad stuff out of your own previous family into your new family and say, Honey, you have to deal with it. I'm sorry, my dad needs to get involved. He can has his own way in our family. I'm just a kid. I'm still, even though I'm 35 years old, but I'm acting like a two years old. My dad can have to be involved with this issue. No. You need to grow up and you need to have that cutting from the parents in the area of emotional and physical attachment or relationship priority. Amen? If you want to build a family. I'm glad that after I got married, I didn't stay in my home. I left to another city and I have my own family. I did not depend on my parents' food on the table. 
I feed my own family, raise up my own family. Why did God speak to man? Why didn't God say, therefore, a man and a woman shall leave their father and mother? Why did God say that? Because every woman in the world needs security. Every woman in the world needs to know that she is the number one in your heart. If you still attach to your parents, and she is number two, number three, she will not feel secure. All the men in this church should be able to say to your wife, "You know, honey, I know your dad is good. I know that before you get married, you live with your dad, and he provide food on your table." He give you education. He buy clothes for you. Sometimes you can pick up his credit card and go there, and you get yelled a little bit that you spend too much on the credit card. I know you feel secure with your dad. I know your dad has been your protector, has been your deliverer, has been your savior, has been your provider. But I want to let you know, even though your dad is good. But you haven't seen anything yet, because I'm gonna be better than your dad. I'm gonna be your best protector. I'm gonna be your best provider. I'm gonna be your best deliverer. Oh, uh, you can count on me. I will be there, and no one can touch you. I'm your primary protector and provider. Don't worry. You can be secure. You don't have to worry after you leave your home. I am there for you. All the time, all the women need that confirmation of security in her life. Amen. All the women say yes. Amen. And all the men say yes. I have the security of my wife. Amen. So all the ladies in this church, single, don't look for King Kong. Don't look for immature man. Don't look for a man who always play game all day long and are not responsible for job. You need to look for a man who is responsible for his study, responsible in the church, work hard, love God, fear God, not going to drugs and drinking and all this stuff because he cannot be your security if he's playing around all the time. Man need to grow up and take care of his own family. That's why I need to be cut off from the parents, so that you don't need to get the paycheck from your parents anymore. You need to be on your own. Amen. Wow, so quiet in this room. <laughs> Hallelujah. I need to sometimes say something strong so people will wake up. So that's the first principle. There must be a cutting. Everyone say cutting. Look at the second principle or precept. And shall cleave to his wife. Okay. Second principle: God still speak to man. God has not spoken to a woman yet. God still speak to man. He shall cleave to his wife. This is a command to the man. What does it mean, cleave? It means to stick together like glue. It means irrevocable attachment. Have you ever put two pieces of paper together with glue, by glue? What happened when you tear it? It's gonna be destroyed. It's gonna be ugly. So the word "cleave" means glue together. Some people walk into the wedding aisle with this idea: "Okay, I'm gonna stay in this marriage until disappointment happen. I will split as soon as possible." 
Some people walk into the waiting eye thinking, one day if you offend me, you make me mad, I will walk away. That is not the biblical idea. The biblical idea about wedding or marriage is to stick together until death departs you. That is the biblical idea. To stay together to the time Jesus come back. To cleave, to stick together is part of the wedding vow that you give in the Christian wedding. And that is what the lady needs to feel in your marriage. The lady needs security. Know that she is your primary relationship beside God. Two, the lady needs to know that you're going to be there no matter what happens. Whether she is still young and good looking or she gets older and start to have wrinkles on her face and wrinkles on her neck. And she doesn't have to worry about looking for plastic surgeon to have a body tuck or stretch her skin so that you will love her, she can have security in her heart that your presence will be there. Sticking together means every, you go together all the time, everywhere. You're going to be home tonight. You're not going to disappear into the nightclub until 5 a.m. and you never stay home. You go together. That's why a lot of time when I go to mission trip, I go with Pastor Da. I don't recommend husband and wife leave each other for many, many weeks. You need to be together. The ladies need to know the security of your presence. You're not disappearing. You will be with her. You stay. You can be there for her in the time of happiness and in the time of hardship. You're not going to leave her. You're not going to forsake her. You're going to walk away from her when she get older and you see another younger lady come into the scene and say, bye-bye, honey, now I'm looking for a younger girl. That is not biblical. If you're going to get married, stay with your lovely wife until the last day. She needs to stick with you. You need to cleave with her and never quit. No matter how hard it is, no matter how many conflicts happen in your family, no matter how many times you quarrel and have all this conflicts in the family, you say to God, I promise you, Father, I will never give up my marriage. I will never quit. I will never talk about the word divorce. I never even thinking about getting the number of a family lawyer to divorce one another. I'm going to stick with you to the end of my life. That is the will of God. Amen? Some of you men in this room, you may say, you know, Pastor, I don't know that she was like that when I was going out with her before marriage. I don't know that she has a false eyelash and she wear a wig. Until the day of honeymoon, the wig come out and I find out that she was not like that. I don't know that her eyelash is short, not long. All the ladies will not let you know before you get married anyway. She will make sure that you see the best of her life while you are going out for dinner with her. You will not see the reality of that woman until you live with her for a few months and say, Oh, I see. Okay. The reality come now. And vice versa. Some lady may say, Pastor, Pastor Da, 
I don't know that he was like that when I was going out with him. You take it, you marry him. That's what it happened. No way out, one way road. So you need to find out about her or him before you get married. Okay? Some people look at each other's eyes one time and oh yeah yeah yes and get married. You need to learn about each other in the care group in the church and find out who that person is for a while. Otherwise, you can just get stuck with that forever unless God changed them. Of course, you don't know everything about that person until you get married. But the lady needs to know that you are not gonna give up. You are not gonna walk away. Some of you are good in computer. What do you need to do when you want to download something? You need to plug in. Is that right? You plug the hard drive. The USB cord into the computer, you plug in, and then do download. What you gonna do if you want to have sparkle in the electric circuit? You need to download. You need to load the circuit with electricity, with electron. If you want to cleave, it doesn't mean only that you stay there, but you will download the love. I have to repent about this because sometimes I'm too busy. Not. Doing it enough, and Pastor Dao, forgive me, but I try my best to download the love. Last night I came home from surgery about 1 a.m. I have emergency operation. So when I got back home, I tried to talk to Pastor Dao and spend time talking to let her know that I care, and even though I'm tired, but I still want to talk to you, and you are important to me. As man, we need to cleave to download, to overload. The circuit, and when you overload the circuit, then spark come. The lady will feel good. Lady liked to have that overload circuit. I love you. You're beautiful. You are the best woman. Actually, this morning I woke up. I, I drove to the hospital, and I was thinking about Pastor Dad. That I was so blessed to marry her. She's a wonderful woman. Sometimes, but when I come home, I hurry to come to church and forget to tell her. I need to remind myself to overload the circuit that you know you are the person in my life. You are a wonderful woman. You are such a good wife and good partner to me. Amen. Everyone say overload the circuit, sparkling. You cannot have sparkle without overload the circuit. So cleave means glue together and overload the circuit. Download. The love, Amen. All the men in this room need to improve in this area a little bit more. Me too. How many men in this room say I'm gonna improve in the area of overload the circuit? Amen. You know, sometime at 2 p.m. during in the middle of the seeing patient and busy, I decide to call Pastor Da and say, oh, "I miss you. Thank you for lunch." and you are in my mind. And sometimes she didn't pick up the phone. I really want to tell her that you are in my mind, even in the midst of this busy schedule. All the men are repenting. Okay, leave, cut off, to cleave. Then the third principle, woman come in. Now both of them have to do together. The first two, the man need to do. They shall be one flesh. So the third precept about family is that after cutting off, 
after cleaving together or being united together, now the woman has to respond. You cannot clap hand with only one hand. Two hands need to clap together. So when the man has done the best he could to leave the old family, the parents, and try to download, try to cleave, try to stick together, then the woman has to respond to become one with the husband, one in thoughts, in vision, in plans, in everything. If your husband did mistake in the past six years, and now he repent after this sermon, and he say, "I'm gonna start to be close to you. I will be around you. I will not disappear." You need to forgive him and start all over again. You know, I have to admit that I'm not a perfect husband either, but I try. And I need to repent. I repented and I asked God for forgiveness to be a better husband. I know that all the men in this room make some mistake, but you need to change and repent. Amen. Don't frustrate the husband if the husband has done the best he could by rejecting his effort to try to be one with you. You need to be one in your emotion, in your thinking, in your plan and purpose and everything. I really want to honor Pasada that a lot of things that happened in her life because of me. She did not plan to marry a pastor. And one day, Pastor Lau come to her. By the way, we're going to start a church. But she say, whatever the Lord wants to lead you. I am one with you. I'm going to help you to build a church. And one day, I come to her. Oh, by the way, we're going to fly to Thailand. She say, yes, I will be one with you, cooperate with you. And now we say, oh, we're going to go to Japan. What? I know Pastor Da has done the best she could to be one with me, whatever the Lord leads me. As I follow the Lord, she will become one with me and help me the most she can. I know. And it's not easy. I know. I understand how difficult a woman tries to adjust her life to follow and to work with the husband so that we will become one together. I want to let you know that to become one together doesn't happen on the first day of marriage. Why? Have you ever heard this? We need to get divorced because we are not compatible. Have you ever heard that? I want to tell you, every couple is not compatible because you came from different parents, different culture. And especially if you marry a cross culture, <laughs> one person likes to eat sushi, another person wants to eat bun thit nương, and your husband wants to eat Mexican food, love Mexican food, but you like to eat pho. So what are you going to do in the house? Two persons have different thinking. You are not compatible. You need to know that you marry somebody who are different from you. Pastor Dan and I are totally different. That's why our first few years of marriage, we struggle a lot. Because I'm very quiet. I don't express that much. She loves to be around, talking, but I'm quiet. So she suffers from my being quiet. I have to change. I need to talk more. I need to adjust myself to be one with her, being compatible by means we need to adjust to one another. We are always different. Actually, if you look at the difference of your spouse, don't look at it in a negative way that, oh, you know, I'm in trouble. I marry somebody who's different from me. If you think that way, conflict is going to happen. But you need to think in a positive way. I'm glad she is different from me. Because then we can complement each other. Amen? i give you an example. If you try to come to me for counseling, you're going to face like this. Okay, this is 
what you need to do. One, two, three. Okay, repent. Done. But if you come to Pastor Da, she will talk to you, help you, and very smooth, very merciful, very gentle. So I don't have that part in me. So sometimes I need to send people to her because if they come to me, hey, repent, okay? <laughs> Deal with it. This is the principle of God. One, two, three, four. Repent or otherwise you're not going to get better. Amen. That's how I do it. Sometimes people need that, but many times people need the style of Pasada. Very gentle, very soothing, very nice. Amen? Sometimes when she comes to tell me about the problem, somebody talked to her. Oh, one member come and ask me. You know what I answer her? Change, repent. The Bible said this. So we need each other. We need each other very much. We need the difference. When you were kind of together under the candlelight with steak, or go out to Disneyland for a few days with family to get to know each other like that, you will never know the reality until you get married. After a few months, you find out that, oh, she stay late at night and wake up late in the morning. But I like to go to bed early and wake up early in the morning. Oh, she like to squeeze the toothpaste from the end. But I like to squeeze the toothpaste from the top. So we keep fighting. You squeeze from the top and squeeze from the end. Oh, she like the temperature in her house, 72 degrees Fahrenheit. But I like 65 because I grew up in Montana. But she grew up in Thailand. She wants 72 Fahrenheit. I want 65. All day long, one person walked to the up and down. You go up and she go down like this, up and down. You try to fight with the temperature in the house. Oh, for example, I grew up in a home that my dad always tell me, waste money to turn on the light. Turn off the light as much as you can. So this is my habit in my home. Everywhere I go, turn off, turn off, turn off. So all my house is dark except the room that I stay because I think just such a waste of energy. Waste of energy to turn on the light in those rooms. I'm not there. So Tanita get that. In her home, pop, pop, like that. But Brendan may come from another family who like the whole house is light and everywhere just bright. So he turn on everywhere. Now they have to adjust to each other to become one. You see my point? Oh, she say amen. <laughs> How many people face this kind of situation? Raise your hand up. Married couple. <laughs> oh, the real thing show up after you get married. But you need to adjust to one another. And sometimes, little things don't make it a big deal. Amen? Little, little things. Turn the light on, turn the light off. Don't quarrel about that. Don't quarrel about squeezing the toothpaste from the top or from the bottom. If your wife wants to watch some TV program late at night, you say, okay, I'm not going to force you to sleep early. I'm going to go to bed first. We are different. That's okay. I understand you. Don't get mad. Don't get upset and yell at each other because of the differences. We are all different. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm still in the process of becoming one with my wife to today. 
after she got married for more than 30 years. We will still learn each other. I'm so different from her. She's different from me. I still need to adjust every single day what she likes, what she doesn't like. Ah, oh, it's a lifetime commitment to adjust to one another to become one. Amen. Last one, and then I end. Genesis 2:25, and they were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Marriage must start from number one, cutting. Followed by cleaving, followed by one become one together, then intimacy will come. If you're gonna get married with the thinking that wow she look good, she's hot, wow I'm gonna have a wonderful sex life because she's hot. If you think that way, you're on the wrong road. Because sexual relationship or intimacy in marriage come after the first three. When a man get upset at 10 p.m. at night, he can have sex at 11 p.m. at night. But when a woman is upset on Monday at 10 a.m. Monday, she will not think about sex even five days later at 10 p.m. on Saturday if she's still upset. Woman and man are different. To build up that intimacy, it takes cutting, cleaving, and become one together seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You cannot ignore your wife and say, you know, I'm busy, I don't talk to you. And then suddenly you go into bedroom and say, oh, I want to have sex right now. And you say, what? You haven't talked to me all day long. I don't have that feeling. Because you never cleave with me, you never download you never overload my circuit to talk to me that you love me. She may do it out of grudges because you force your bigger muscle. But it's not going to be a beautiful marriage because you don't practice all four principles. Not only that, if you notice, Adam and Eve, they were not ashamed of each other. Why? Because they have such a good relationship with God at that time. And because they are so transparent to each other. You know, marriage will be strong if you are having good relationship with God. You are not living in sin. And also, you are very transparent with each other. Don't hide. Don't lie. Because once you get into that mode, the trust is gone. Pastor Da, give counseling sometime to some lady. Not in this church, outside the church. The wife come and complain to Pastor Da that my husband sneak all the time. Sneak write Facebook to another girl in another country, to communicate to another woman in, uh, in the church or something, have something sneaky. And eventually the wife say, you know, I really lost trust in my husband. He is not transparent with me. He's hiding something all the time. That is not healthy relationship. Intimacy in this scripture, they were both naked and the man and his wife mean you have transparency. You live such a godly life that you don't have to feel ashamed, you don't have to feel guilty or condemned. And that will lead to really sexual int- intimacy later on with really good relationship. Amen? I want to tell all the men in this room and those who listen to this teaching that don't forget about cutting, don't forget about cleaving, unite. Don't forget about building one 
together, you and your wife work together all the days of your life. It's lifetime job to build oneness and unity between you and your spouse. Every single day, you learn, you adjust, you have to change certain habits, you need to change something in your life to become one together. And if you can practice all of these things, you will have a happy marriage. And your kids will be happy. Kids that grow up in a home that parents are one and love each other will have confidence, will tend to be more successful, will be more mature. Not only that, they will have easier time to relate to God the Father than those who grew up in a broken home. Because God is a father. When they see their parents represent God well, they see God in the right way, positive way. But if they see that dad and mom act weird, they will have misconception about God in heaven, and they're going to have a hard time following God when they grow up. Amen? That's why the devil wants to destroy the family. Let me read last scripture. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I want to encourage all of you. Let God be involved in your family life, 100%. Follow the precept of God. Don't do your own things. Follow what the Bible says. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Build up your family in a biblical way. Let God become God in your family. Don't run your own family yourself. Let God help you to run the family. Amen? How many people say, I repent and I change? I'm going to change. Amen. Can wife forgive the husband today if they haven't done all these things? Or the lady say, I forgive you? And all the men in this room, how many men say, I'm going to improve? I'm going to change. Raise your hand up. All the men, I will improve, I will change. Amen. How many single people in this room say that I will take marriage seriously? I will not just jump into a relationship without seeking God first. Raise your hand up. All the single who want to get married. If you don't want to get married, you don't have to raise your hand up. <laughs> and I, I'm thankful to Pastor Da that she has been forgiving me all this year. Um, I want to tell you, even though I preach this sermon, I'm not a perfect husband. I make so many mistakes, but I'm changing, I'm growing. As a preacher, as a pastor, it's good that I t- teach you the ideal, the perfection. Even though I know that I'm not perfect, I know that you're not perfect, but it's good to preach the perfection. And then you will raise your bar up to His perfection. We don't want to dilute the Word of God to your level and make you happy. We want to preach the maximum, the best perfection of God. And we all raise the bar up to His level together as the church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You, Father, for reminding us to build a godly family. We pray, Father, that You help all the husbands and wife who listen to this teaching to practice what they learn in this lesson. May your Holy Spirit give them grace and power to forgive each other, to overlook the weaknesses of each other, 
but to complement and complete one another. Help us, Father, to practice the cutting, the sticking together like a glue. To Lord, be conformed to each other, to be one together, and to have godly intimacy in the marriage. Father, I also pray for all the singles in this church that you will provide for them the right spouse, the spouse that you ordained for them before the creation of the world, and all of them will have happy, successful marriage. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bless all these people, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We will continue to learn about family until the camp. You think it's good to learn about family? Even though you are not married, your husband already passed away or something, you are widow. But it's good to know all these principles so you can teach young woman or young man in the local church when people ask you for advice. Amen. Let me read the scripture quickly before I lay hand. If you don't want to stay to be lay hand on, that's okay. You don't offend me and it's between you and God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 40 to 41. Verses 40 to 41. When the sun was setting, listen carefully, this is the ministry that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. When Jesus was walking on earth, he never said no to anybody who come to him for either deliverance or healing or the blessing of laying on of hand. He will say yes to everyone who come to him by faith. And that's what we want to practice in the church. You know, when we talk about healing, it may not be a cancer or diabetes or knee problem or back problem, but maybe the healing of your heart, that you have some issue in your heart, unforgiveness. Maybe you have some demon inside you that God wants to kick them out. And Jesus said that the work that I do, you shall do also. So I believe that the church, of, the local church, need to practice what Jesus did. Lay hand on everyone who comes to Jesus. And impart the Holy Spirit. Jesus healed all those people by the power of the Holy Spirit. He touched them, healed them, healed their emotion, healed their physical body, cast demons out of them, set them free. Some of you may have some mountain in your life that block you from hearing the voice of God. God can kick that out, and now you can hear the voice of God. Some of you may have bitterness against your spouse. God wants to heal you. I have to admit to you, as a both pastor and doctor, I don't like to build a church by putting the bandage on people. When people get a gunshot wound, bullet inside, and sometimes you go to church, you listen to a good sermon and say, bye-bye, sing doxology, go home. If I do that, I am putting the bandage on you. And the bullet still inside, never be taken out. And that's why a lot of Christians in the world are sick, are weak, are carnal, 
and are not doing well, because they go to church just to get the bandage. But with the laying on of hand is surgery. The Holy Spirit go in, take the bullet out, take the deep sickness out, spiritual sickness, spiritual disease out, perform that operation to heal, to set the captive free. I believe that if Jesus was walking on earth now in year 2011 in Seattle and he pastored this church, if he is a pastor of this church, I can guarantee he will lay hand on you every Sunday. He will lay hand on you every Sunday. And he will wait here. Who I want to come, come. I lay hand. He will not just preach and walk away. Jesus did not only preach and walk away. Jesus preached, lay hand and heal all the time. And why church today don't do that? Because we follow religions of the Roman Empire. Christianity was affected by the Roman religion at that time, 200 years later. That people come and sit in the row, listen to good teaching, bye-bye, go home. They kick the Holy Spirit out of the church, kick the anointing out of the church, and no laying on of hand, no Holy Spirit, no the power of God. It's just all bandage. I cannot build a church that way. I'd rather go back to sell noodle or do something else. If we're going to do the church, let's do the right way. Biblical way, God's way, Jesus' way. Amen? So if you don't get used to this style, I want to let you know this is not pass aloud. This is Bible. Jesus lay hand. And today, last week we have fellowship. That's okay. We eat lunch together. We have different times and seasons. The times of fellowship, the times of study Bible, the times of worship, the times of family, but there will be the time of the anointing and laying on of hand. Amen? Father, I pray, Lord, that everyone who comes to you today, you will touch them, you will heal them and change them. No one in this church will have cancer, will have demons, will have bitterness, resentment, will have the power of carnality in their life, but your Holy Spirit will set them free. The fire of God will burn all this junk, all this dross to clean your church, to be the beautiful bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the counselor, the comforter. We thank you, Lord, for the fire of God. We'll touch your people today. Lord, you will pull out the rivers into the hungry and thirsty land today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to be prayed for, I will pray for you. If you need to go home, I understand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done have been washed away by your only son. Bring me your tired, you said. Bring me your weak. Bring me your hungry masses.
Your.